Oh man, that was too close for comfort, but the Kansas City Chiefs got the job done once again. Welcome into the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasugi, and we've got a jam-packed episode, a lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm going to get right into it. Social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi, and that's the Facebook page. Give it a like, follow me on Facebook. Appreciate all of you guys who joined us for the Facebook Live videos, and we will do that again this Thursday at halftime and after the game, so join us for that. Twitter, at Farzine21, follow me on there, and my email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Man, we've got a lot to get into. A big win for the Kansas City Chiefs against the best defense in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. And not only did the Chiefs win, they got a lot of help in the AFC on Sunday. And before this all happened, the Chiefs made a big signing, adding wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin, who was surprisingly let go by the Bills last week. What does this mean for Sammy Watkins? And can Benjamin rebound? Can he resurrect his career in Kansas City? Plus, there is a reported target date for Eric Berry's return for a game to make his debut this season. We'll discuss that and much more on this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Man, uh, what a game that was. Chiefs win in overtime. The Dolphins stun the Patriots. The Colts hold off the Texans. The Raiders defeated the Steelers at home. Now, the Chargers managed to beat the Bengals in a narrow end, but that's okay. Why? Because Kansas City can take care of that on Thursday. If you told me one of these teams that the Chiefs are competing against for a playoff spot, uh, the number one seed essentially, as well as the division in the case of of the Chargers, if one of those teams had to win, I'll take the Chargers winning because the Chiefs can take care of that on Thursday. Seeing the Patriots and the Dolph uh, and the uh, and the Texans and the Steelers fall in games on Sunday, that's big for the Chiefs because the Chiefs cannot face any of those teams uh, again this year. Or in the case of the Texans, the, the Chiefs they haven't even faced them all year, so the Chiefs can't control what happens with them in terms of wins and losses. The Chiefs can at least take care of the Chargers, and this is exactly how it all panned out on Sunday. Lots of help. On Sunday, the Chiefs and Chargers, they have the most wins in the AFC and they play each other on Thursday night in a huge battle on Thursday night football with the AFC West really on the line. If the Chiefs win, they win the division and there is also a great, well, I don't know if I would say great possibility, but there are two home teams in week 15 that can help the Chiefs Clinch home field advantage. I'll explain that situation, that scenario at the end of the podcast. But wow, Sunday was a damn crazy day. This is easy to say as a Chiefs fan, but on days like this, when someone asks you, why do you love football? Why do you love the NFL? Why are you a big Chiefs fan? It's because of days like this. It's because of days like December the 9th, 2018. One big reason why you're a fan. Very similar to what happened in 2006, New Year's Eve, when the Chiefs got a lot of help to clinch one of the wild card spots. Now, I know what happened afterwards. Didn't go so well, but this day really did remind me of Week 17 
and 2006 when the Chiefs needed a lot of help to get a wild card spot. The the Broncos lost, the Bengals lost. Uh I, I think the Titans also lost in that game to or, or I don't know exactly all of the scenarios, but the Chiefs needed what? Help from three or four different teams and they got all of that to happen uh to get the wild card spot in a very crazy uh, the Broncos losing that was the biggest one. That was uh in the late afternoon game as everyone in Kansas City rooting for the 49ers in that one, but man uh, this was a this was a fun fun day to be a Chiefs fan for sure, uh, and look, I know a lot of people say, "Well, take care of your own business." Yeah, sure, but you you like to wrap up home field advantage as early as possible. It hasn't happened yet for the Chiefs, uh, but the, Sunday really helped their case in which they could wrap it up by Week 17, maybe even before Week 16. But hey, at the very least, the Chiefs did clinch a playoff spot. They are the only team in the AFC that is on their way to the playoffs. Chiefs with an impressive win, forcing overtime against the Ravens. The Dolphins with that miraculous win. Uh, The Colts uh, beating the Texans and the Raiders somehow beating the Steelers. Uh, Which I'm going to address that game specifically later on this episode. I'll explain why. When we get there, but man, a hell of a day on Sunday. You could not have scripted that to be any better for Chiefs fans. Every game that impacted the Chiefs put Chiefs fans on the edge of their seats in all of their games. And this was not a game that had any impact on the Chiefs, but the game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles. I mean, the ending in that one with Amari Cooper having a hell of a game and the way he caught the game-winning pass, it tipped around uh, once or twice between him and the the cornerback for the Eagles, and he just grabs it and walks to the end zone in overtime to win. Sunday was a great, the, probably the be, one of the best NFL Sundays I can recall in a very, very long time. A lot of exciting games, and it's, it's easier to say that too when your teams are on the winning side of things, especially in the case of Kansas City, who probably had the most successful Sunday out of any team this past week. Now, before we move forward, I do want to let you know our podcast schedule. Uh, obviously, we are doing this recap right now on December the 10th. Tomorrow, December the 11th, Chiefs Chargers preview. Uh, obviously, a short week this week for the Chiefs, so we have to turn around real fast. So we will do the preview tomorrow. We'll do our closing segments as usual. Then on December the 14th, that is a Friday, the Chiefs and Chargers game. We will recap that That'll be out Friday morning, and on Monday, December the 17th, uh, we will recap Week 15 in the NFL. Did the Chiefs clinch home field advantage? There's a possibility. Again, I'll explain how later on. Plus, on December the 20th, uh, normal schedule on a Thursday, we will preview the game between the Chiefs and Seahawks. That'll be a Sunday night football game. At least that's how it is for right now. I've, I've had... Yeah, I, I, I pondered the idea that they could flex that game out with a different game, of maybe, maybe maybe a more significant game. Both of these teams are playoff teams right now, but maybe there's a more heated battle elsewhere uh, that the NFL could be more inclined to do. I would not be upset if that happened, uh, but preferably, obviously, you want your team on Sunday night. So I think that game ends up staying because the Seahawks have gotten better lately, and they are a playoff team. And then on Christmas Eve, on uh, December the 24th, Monday, we will recap the game between the Chiefs and Seahawks, and on Christmas, uh, first time we've ever done a podcast on Christmas Day, on uh, Christmas Day uh, in the morning, 
Uh, my gift to you guys, we will have the Chiefs and Raiders preview. Uh, we'll do the closing segments as well. And then on New Year's Eve, uh, the podcast will be out recapping the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. So uh, just giving you guys a heads up on the schedule because of the holidays and all of these uh, short weeks and long weeks the Chiefs now have. Uh, a lot happening. So that is the schedule for the Chiefs on podcast for the remainder of the regular season, essentially the remainder of the month. Let's get right into it between the Chiefs and Ravens. And I'll tell you what, we can discuss a lot of the game. And I know the, the second half, a very tough second half for the Chiefs. They were scoreless until the final, uh, or technically the uh, third to last drive of the game, uh, where they scored the touchdown. But uh, the Ravens dominated time of possession. They really did. And the Chiefs were backed up against the wall. And they really looked like a team that didn't really know what to do until... It was right at the very end in their emergency situation where they had to absolutely score. But in this game, Patrick Mahomes solidified why he is the 2018 NFL MVP. Two weeks ago, it was close between him and Drew Brees. And I I think, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans, they don't like when their player is up for an award and don't win. For example, last year, Kareem Hunt not winning the uh, uh, Rookie of the Year award. Uh, over uh, Alvin Kamara. Kamara won instead. Chiefs fans thought that was bogus. Now, in this case, when, at least a couple weeks ago, when a lot of people, and, and I was in agreement that Mahomes and Breeze are neck and neck, uh, I, I gave my vote to Breeze, and I explained why at that time, and I still stand by my opinion at that time, but right now, two weeks later, uh, that has completely changed. And here is why. When the Chiefs were forced to repunt in the fourth quarter, Cyrus Jones... He dashed 55 yards through the Chiefs uh, special teams defense. And by the way, this was a Chiefs team that was allowing 2.2 yards per uh, return on punts, which Jim Nance mentioned, one of the best ever in NFL history. Uh, But the Ravens uh, get a big return from Cyrus Jones inside there in the red zone at the 15-yard line or 14-yard line. And three plays later, they find the end zone to take the lead, and with four minutes and four seconds left in the fourth quarter, Mahomes had to lead his offense against the best defense in the NFL. A redshirt rookie who, again, facing the best defense he's ever faced, he did what he needed to do. Down 24-17 on the eighth play of the drive. It's fourth and four. Demarcus Robinson gets flagged for a false start, so it becomes fourth and nine, and Mahomes steps back, rolls right, and it looks like he might not be able to connect on a play, but he finds Tyreek Hill and connects on a 48-yard catch-and-run play to get to Baltimore's 12-yard line. Four plays later on another fourth down play, this time uh, three yards away for a first down at the five-yard line. Mahomes found Damian Williams for his second touchdown of the game. It was Williams' first receiving touchdown of the season, uh, so obviously his earlier touchdown was a rushing touchdown. Uh, and, and by the way, w- with Damian Williams catching a touchdown pass, he became the tenth player who Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to this season. Ten different players Mahomes has connected with in the end zone. And again, that that doesn't even include Spencer Ware, who is now your top running back on the team. So a very good chance that you could have eleven or twelve guys who you connect with in the end zone by the time. The season is over. So that's what Mahomes did. Tying the game 
on an 11-play drive, 75 yards, 3 minutes and 11 seconds. Those two fourth down plays right there against the best defense in the league. That's a big. That to me is a huge reason as to not only why Mahomes has a big lead on Drew Brees or whoever you think is second place right now, but I think Mahomes has to win this unanimously. I, I I don't really know at this point if there's really a case. Yes, Drew Brees does a great job of taking care of the football and has a high completion percentage, but when you lose to a team like the Cowboys, it I mean that took that really set him back. And Mahomes had a quote unquote off day last week and still put up four touchdowns. Not And I still think he had a big lead, but he just added even more to his big lead for his case to win the MVP award. And I mentioned this on social media, down by seven. And I know this is not the immediate thought for Chiefs fans. The immediate thought was, hey, let's tie the game and not lose. But I did mention, if people want Mahomes to be taken seriously, if people want Mahomes to win the MVP award... He has to tie the game right here. And he did exactly that. Now, the terrible Chiefs defense that we've all been very critical of, they come up with a big fumble recovery, forcing Lamar Jackson to fumble, who, again, had seven fumbles in his three starts. Big takeaway from Justin Houston got the strip sack recovery. And three plays later, Harrison Butker had a chance to put the game away, but didn't. It was his second miss of the game. And it was uh, the end of regulation. Getting ready for overtime. At this point, before the coin toss happened, or maybe the coin toss already happened, but before overtime got underway, the Dolphins had that crazy play where they uh, where they lateraled the football a couple of times, and they beat the Patriots, and the Texans also fell to the Colts. At this point, when you have the Texans and the Patriots losing, the Chiefs I mentioned this, they had to win. There was no other option. You have to win this football game. And you might be saying, well, the players don't know that. I don't know if I agree with that. There's a scoreboard uh, displayed at Arrowhead Stadium that shows the scores around the league. So even though players won't admit it, then they'd say that they were focused on the game at hand. A few of them, I guarantee you, glanced over at that scoreboard where it shows uh, on the LED boards, some of these scores around the league. I mean, come on, how how could you not if you're a player? You're 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 always wondering what's going on with the teams that you're going up against to to try to clinch home field advantage or or, or teams you're competing against for the division. You you always want to know at all times. So it's nothing out of the ordinary for NFL players to want to just take a look at the uh, at the scoreboard, the league scoreboard. Now, Harrison Butker did rebound in overtime to conclude another 11-play drive, this time ending in a field goal. That gave the Chiefs a 27-24 lead, and that was my score prediction for this one. And I also mentioned having a lot of hands on deck, and that's what you saw with the Chiefs' offense in this football game. Mahomes did fumble on his own before that field goal, by the way, trying to escape pressure. No one even touched him, and he lost. not only did he lose the football, but he was in a position where uh, it got away from him, and someone else had to recover it. It was Eric Fisher who jumped on top of it. And listen, for as critical as we are for Fisher, uh, I think Mahomes should give him part of that MVP award because if Mahomes loses the football and if the Ravens recover and eventually win, I think the MVP race becomes wide open, and I don't know if Mahomes wins in that case. But thankfully, it didn't go out that way. And the Chiefs got that field goal from Harrison Butker to rebound. The Ravens moved the football fairly well until a holding penalty 
pushed him back, plus a sack on Lamar Jackson, pushing them back further. He got hurt. RG3, yes, remember RG3, the legend, uh, for just one year, that is. He came in, and in two plays, uh, the Ravens facing third and 22, and then fourth and 22, uh, unable to uh, do anything on those two plays, and the Chiefs survived, improving to 11-2, and and clinched a playoff spot. As I said a moment ago, Mahomes solidified the MVP spot for me. You put up four touchdowns on an off day, and you do what you did against the best defense in the NFL. You lead your team to a game-tying touchdown on an 11-play drive when you went for it on fourth down twice. One on a crazy play that most quarterbacks probably could not make that play on fourth down that eventually led to a touchdown, and then the other fourth down play that was the scoring play, the the, the game-tying touchdown. Mahomes has 43 touchdowns. Now, I don't know if he's going to get the single-season NFL record that Peyton Manning has, especially if the Chiefs rest their starters in Week 17. Again, that is a possibility. But he leads uh, the NFL by nine touchdowns over Andrew Luck, who has 34. Andrew Brees is two behind Andrew Luck with 32. So I think Mahomes, unless he has a really terrible game from this point forward every single week, uh, you, you, you just, I, I, at this point... The MVP race is his. Something would have to go terribly wrong for that to not be the case. But give it up to the Chiefs in this football game. Fighting through injuries with Cameron Irving being out, Jeff Allen stepping in, Tyree Kill. My God, this guy dealt with, what, how many injuries? Uh, and he was limping a couple of times as well. He had the wrist injury, then he had the heel injury, which I don't know what kind of sorcery was done with his heel injury or how severe it was compared to Eric Berry's, but... Uh, he ended up coming back in the second half. He limped around a lot, and uh, he still made some big plays in this football game. He really, really did, and I'll get to his numbers shortly. And he and Travis Kelsey, uh, they have something in common with their stats, and I'll get to that shortly. But Spencer Ware also fighting through some pain. He battled through it. The Chiefs really went to war in this football game, and they came through with a big win to clinch a playoff spot. Speaking of the playoffs, Chiefs playoff appearances, Marty Schottenheimer led the Chiefs to the playoffs seven different seasons. Hank Stram led the Chiefs to five different uh, uh, playoff appearances. Plus, Andy Reid now tying Hank Stram for five postseasons. Now, as for the rest, it's a pretty uh, narrow list from this point forward. John Makovich, Dick Vermeil, Herm Edwards, and Todd Haley each led the Chiefs to one postseason appearance. So Andy Reid now five times the Chiefs have gone to the playoffs since he has arrived in Kansas City uh, in his six seasons. Every season the Chiefs have been above 500, but they barely missed the playoffs in 2014. Uh, that three-game losing streak... Uh, that definitely hurt them as well, uh, plus starting 0-2. Uh, so that was kind of tough for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, one of those games definitely would have changed everything for the uh, for the playoff spot. But, hey, uh, I mean, it is what it is. And you look at Andy Reid right now. Six seasons, all of them above 500, all winning seasons. And you have five postseasons under Andy Reid. And this one seems like it's going to be the most promising one. We'll see. We'll see. Chris Jones, he set a franchise record in this game uh, with his uh, 10th consecutive game with a sack. 
Uh, he now has 11 and a half sacks in the 10 consecutive games. That is a franchise record most ever. And you think of some of the guys who have played for the Chiefs. A lot of great sack artists. Guys like Justin Houston, Tom Bahali, Jared Allen, Derek Thomas, uh, Neil, uh, Neil Smith, Bobby Bell, Willie Lanier. A lot of great defensive players. Buck Buchanan over the years. And none of those guys had a sack in 10 straight games. Chris Jones is the only one who's ever done that in franchise history. Speaking of some uh, success with the franchise, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey each have double-digit touchdowns. This is the first time ever in Chiefs history where two Chiefs players have 10 or more receiving, essentially double-digit touchdowns. Double-digit touchdown grabs. Hill has 11, Kelsey has 10 for the Chiefs. And speaking of Kelsey, he set single-season highs in receptions with 86, yards with 1,159, and touchdowns with 10 with three games to go. He's never had uh, more in a single season. And there are three games left to go in the year. Kelsey, by the way, leads tight ends in receiving yards, and he's also second in catches and touchdowns among tight ends. For Tyreek Hill, he is two catches away from surpassing his career high for most catches in a year. Right now, he has 74. Last year, he had 75. He's already surpassed the high for receiving yards with 1,258. He's second in the NFL in that category, and uh, for most touchdown catches with 11. By the way, Tyreek Hill is 134 yards shy of breaking the franchise record for most receiving yards in a season. That is held by Derek Alexander, who had 1,391 in 2,000. And by the way, worth noting, I mentioned uh, Hill and Kelsey each have double-digit touchdown grabs. Hill is fourth in the NFL in touchdown catches. Travis Kelsey is fifth. When you've got two players who are in the top five or in the top ten in the same category, you know you've got a really special group, a really special unit, within, in this case the Chiefs offense, uh, with what they're able to do. And again, I, I mentioned Mahomes coming into an offense where he had pro bowlers, pro bowlers all around him, excuse me, but he's making them even better. We saw Tyreek Hill have a hell of a year last year with Alex Smith, and now here's Patrick Mahomes, and he's making Tyreek Hill a better wide receiver. He's making Travis Kelsey a better tight end. And in this game, Hill caught eight passes for 139 yards, leading all players in this game. Kelsey, seven catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Spencer Ware and Demarcus Robinson each had five grabs. Damian Williams ran it eight times for 14 yards and a touchdown, plus had four catches in this football game. So, 10 total catches from the running backs. Uh, that also includes Darrell Williams, the third string running back, who had a catch in this game. Demetrius Harris had three catches. Chris Conley had two catches. Uh, Spencer Ware ran it 15 times for 75 yards. That's a five point, uh, exactly a 5.0, uh, five yards uh, per carry average against the third best run stopping defense in the NFL. What did I say last podcast in the preview? I said the Chiefs are going to need all of their players, all hands on deck. And I also said the score was going to be 27-24. I didn't say it was going to be an overtime, though. So I guess uh, I can't pat myself on the back too much for that. But nonetheless, Mahomes, 35 of 53 for 377 yards, a pair of touchdowns, did throw that one pick, but didn't hurt the Chiefs too much at the time, was sacked three times. And the Baltimore Sun wrote up that the Ravens hit Mahomes. They got uh, 15 quarterback hits on Patrick Mahomes. That's the most QB hits 
for a Ravens defense in a game in four years. And still could not come away with the win. The Chiefs defense, not all perfect, did allow 198 rushing yards. But they started to catch on to Lamar Jackson. They were starting to limit him. He was not able to run around as well as he would have liked to. As the game progressed, Jackson was 13 of 24 for 147 yards and a pair of touchdowns, was sacked three times, and obviously this is his first loss as a starter in his career. Obviously a rookie, and I think he really does remind me of Michael Vick when he was with the Falcons, and obviously Mike Vick was a much different player when he uh, got out of prison, did his time, and joined Andy Reid in Philadelphia. We saw a much different and a more uh, complete quarterback in Michael Vick. The type of quarterback we're seeing right now in Lamar Jackson does remind me a lot of Michael Vick when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, how does he progress? Does he grow out of that and become the Michael Vick that we saw in Philadelphia? Remains to be seen. Uh, Obviously, very young in his career, so he has time to figure that all out. But that is the comparison that I would make right now with Lamar Jackson. By the way, no Ravens player... Uh, No Ravens receiver had more than five catches for 61 yards. That's what Willie Sneed had leading his team in those categories. Uh, Obviously, the Ravens going run heavy, and rightfully so. That's what you've got to do against this week. Uh, Chiefs uh, defense uh, trying to stop the run. Uh, Chiefs didn't get get beat much through the air, and I guess that's expected when facing a rookie QB who relies more on his feet than his arm. Uh, Justin Houston, he did have the forced fumble uh, sack strip recovery Late in the game, uh, in regulation that is, uh, also shared a sack with D. Ford in overtime. That was the one that hurt Lamar Jackson and forced him to exit the game, which there were only two plays left at that point. Uh, special teams, uh, I'll just mention Harrison Butker, 204 in field goals. Uh, he is 23 of 26 in PATs since week eight. Now, one of them was blocked last week, one of the PATs, and he's also missed two field goals, he had the two missed field goals in this game, my concern for Harrison Butker is starting to grow a little bit, maybe this is a bad six game stretch, it's not a terrible stretch, but the standard with Butker is very high, considering how he did his rookie year, you can't miss a 43 yard field goal at home, I get field goals become very difficult this time of year, I get it, uh, but hey, you're in the NFL. You're one of the best kickers for a reason. Uh, there are only 32 kicking jobs in the NFL. You have one of them. You've got to make them, especially in a spot where you can wrap up the game. Look, not everything is going to be perfect. It's December. There are teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. And teams like the Chiefs, not necessarily fighting for a playoff spot, but they're trying to... Get home field advantage. Now, what about the teams that aren't in the hunt for a playoff spot? Well, it doesn't mean their season's over. Because a lot of those guys that are having bad seasons, they want to save their jobs. There are a lot of head coaches, assistant coaches, and players who might be let go. And if they maybe finish the season on a good note, maybe they do retain their job in the offseason. So everyone's playing hard this time of year. It is not an easy time. To find wins in the NFL, the Chiefs have two wins this month. Two for two. And again, like I said, not everything's going to be perfect. Look at last week. The Chiefs allowed 33 points to one of the worst teams in the NFL in the Oakland Raiders. And the Chiefs still won that football game. And I hear a lot about Chiefs fans complaining about how much uh, they end up beating some of these bad teams. Look, a win is a win, man. 
Every single team in the AFC, especially given the gap that we're starting to see with some of the other uh, top-tier teams, they would gladly trade spots with the Chiefs right now. No team has a better record than the Chiefs. No team does in the AFC. The Ravens, by the way, held the Chiefs to 24 points in the fourth uh, in a in a four-quarter window, which is the fewest the Chiefs scored in a four-quarter game this season. Now, obviously that excludes the game-winning field goal in overtime from Harrison Butker. That gives them 27. The fewest amount of points the Chiefs have scored in a game this year, it's 26 against the Arizona Cardinals. It was previously 27 against the Broncos, uh, but now it's 26 against the Cardinals. If you just want to look at four quarters, well, this game uh, now becomes the new low for the Chiefs. 24 points. 24 points! Again, I'm just looking at a four-quarter window right now, not including overtime. 24 points is the fewest amount of points the Chiefs have scored in a game this year. And they won this game. They won this game. By the way, speaking of the Oakland game, I mentioned the Chiefs gave up 33 points. I wrote a post on Facebook. And look, look I'm not the kind of guy that comes on here to to pat myself on the back and brag uh, by responding to critics who... Uh, got on me for an opinion, but I have to do it this time. I do. Because I wrote a post on social media that Mahomes had an off day last week, but still put up 40 points on a, in a road December game against a divisional opponent without Kareem Hunt, who the Chiefs obviously let go, and Tyreek Hill was statistically a non-factor. I got a lot of crap for this. Because people told me, quote, it's the Raiders. It's nothing impressive. Why are you praising Mahomes for a game against the Raiders? I Okay. Uh, I mean, look, I told people a win's a win. It's a road game. It's a divisional game. It's in December. You take that win. I, I'm not going to argue with 40 points on the road in December when you win. So I said this on social media. I said, let's see how the Steelers do against Oakland without James Conner. Obviously, James Conner filling in for Le'Veon Bell. James Conner having a Pro Bowl season for the Steelers. And by the way, while I can say this right now, you look at the Kareem Hunt absence, uh, look at the Steelers, how they're doing without Le'Veon Bell. Hey, running backs are replaceable in the NFL. What do you know? But nonetheless... Uh, James Conner not available for the Steelers. So I t- I wrote on social media for people criticizing me that I praise the Chiefs for putting up forty without Kareem Hunt and a, pretty much Tyreek Hill. Uh, how did the Steelers do without James Conner? Okay, well the Steelers lost twenty four to twenty one, barely getting half of what the Chiefs put on the Raiders on the road in Oakland. Oh, I know. A lot of people are going to say Big Ben missed uh, part of the game. Uh, You know what? I'm just going to respond with what people said to me. Because if we're going to be fair, we have to go. We have to be consistent about it. It's the Raiders. If people are going to tell me that Mahomes putting up four touchdowns and 40 points on the uh, the Raiders is nothing impressive, well, then I'm not going to sit here and take excuses that Big Ben missing part of the game against the Steelers, or excuse me, against the, uh, the Raiders. Uh, is any excuse to lose to the Raiders, let alone put up 24 points. Or uh, 21 points only. The Chiefs won against the, the, the Raiders and the Steelers earlier this year. The Steelers lost and only put up 21 points. So cry me a river that Big Ben didn't play the entire game. The Chiefs didn't have Kareem Hunt, 
who probably, when he was let go at the time, he was what? uh, In the top five, actually even in the top three in total yards and total scores. So for the Chiefs to lose him and not even have Tyreek Hill, who's fourth in the NFL in touchdowns right now, Mahomes still moved forward without having all that help. And again, I, I mentioned this last week, Tyreek Hill's statistic uh, struggles not necessarily me- means he had a bad game because players are focused in on him. They're glued in on him, and that allowed Travis Kelsey to be wide open because they forgot about Kelsey in this game as all of their focus was on Tyreek Hill. So that's part of it, but statistically speaking, uh, Mahomes still put up 40 against the Raiders. The Steelers couldn't do that. They put up 21, a little more than half of what the Chiefs did. So, at this point, I'm not going to accept any of this BS that, oh, it's the Raiders, it's 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 this team, it's that team. Uh, by the way, guess what happened on Sunday? We, we talked about how crazy Sunday was. The three worst teams in the NFL won. Uh, the the uh, six teams that hold a playoff spot right now in the AFC. And by the way, no big changes as far as the top six teams for the seedings, it's it's the same six teams as before. But four of those six teams in the AFC lost. The Patriots lost. They have a two seed right now. The Texans lost. They have a three seed. The Steelers lost. They have a four seed. And the Ravens lost, obviously, to the Chiefs. They have a six seed. The Chargers are 10-3 and three with a five seed. And the Chiefs, obviously, atop the conference with an 11-2 and two record. And by the way, I mentioned the uh, the fact that the, the Chiefs put up 24 points in a four-quarter window and still won. The Ravens, by the way, uh, the points that they've been giving up this year, 17.9 points per game. Essentially, uh, 18 points per game. The Chiefs put 17 in the first half. Now, they didn't score until very late in the fourth quarter, uh, putting up 24 points. Against the Ravens, which is obviously above their average, and 27 if you include overtime. So I did want to point that out because I didn't men- mention that part uh, before. The two best teams in the AFC, the Chiefs and Chargers. Obviously, they uh, are two of the top six teams in the AFC, and the only two teams from the top six that did not lose and they won on Sunday. They're going to go head to head. The two best teams in the AFC go head to head. Thursday night, the Chiefs find themselves in this spot a lot when they are facing uh, another team, and they are the two best teams in the in the conference, or the two best teams in the NFL. I don't remember what the uh, what New England's standing was in uh, in Week Six. Uh, I think they were they held the third a three seed at the time, and the Bengals had a two seed. the uh, The Patriots won, beating the Chiefs, and the Bengals lost in Week Six. Uh, so the uh, Chiefs and, or excuse me, the Patriots and Bengals swapped seedings. Uh, so the Chiefs have been in this position before where they're facing a team that is uh, the best uh, or the second best, excluding themselves in the conference. Uh, they face the Patriots. They face the, uh, the, the the Bengals, defeated them in a blowout. And now they're facing the Chargers. Uh, now they've got the two most wins in the AFC. The Chargers have a five seed, obviously, because of division and playoff rules, uh, hey, look, doesn't matter how many wins you have. If you're a wildcard team, you have a five seed. The Chiefs put up with that for a long time. And let's not forget in 2010 when the Chiefs won the AFC West, the Ravens came to town and they actually had a better record than the Chiefs. So 
I have no problems with this, with uh, with with seeding rules and all that. Uh, I think winning your division has to hold value, and you, you're seeing that right now, obviously, with the Chargers uh, getting a five seed. And look, if you don't like the rule, well, beat the Chiefs on Sun- uh, on Thursday, rather, and hope they lose another game and win out. Otherwise, uh, don't complain about it, because the Chiefs dealt with that for years, uh, having double-digit wins and visiting teams uh, on the road in uh, wildcard weekend in which the home team had fewer wins than the Chiefs. So I don't take issue with uh, with this, and I never took issue with it when the Chiefs uh, had more wins when they went on the road for a playoff game. Man, what a Sunday this was. And hey, it's not over. There was a lot that took place before this game between the Chiefs and Ravens, as well as all the craziness from Sunday took place. And by the way, uh, before I forget, uh, obviously the Chiefs were in this situation where they face a lot of the top teams in their conference. They also faced the Rams, and at the time, they those were the two best teams in the NFL. So the Chiefs are very familiar with this with this scene, and it's on primetime, and it's at Arrowhead, and you know Arrowhead's going to be insane. It's just it's just going to be bonkers. It's going to be nuts, and you're going to be able to notice the the loudness. Through the uh, through your TV speakers, it'll be a lot of fun to watch Thursday night. We'll obviously preview that game on tomorrow's episode. Now, uh, going back to it, Kelvin Benjamin was picked up. The Chiefs now have two wide receivers uh, who were taken in the first round of the 2014 NFL Draft. Watkins was taken fourth to the Bills, and Benjamin was taken 28th by the Panthers. The Chiefs, by the way, took D Ford five picks uh, before. Benjamin went to the Panthers. 2014, that was a very good year for rookie wide receivers. The same year, the Chiefs had zero touchdown passes to a wide receiver. Benjamin had 73 catches that year for 1,008 yards and nine touchdowns. He was third in all of those categories among rookies that year. Watkins was right behind Benjamin in all three of those categories. So it just shows you... Both of these guys had very good rookie seasons in 2014. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was... Of course, the, uh, the the top rookie receiver that year and still is the one of the top uh, receivers in the NFL today. Uh, of course, this year, kind of a, a step back year for him, but still uh, a lot of people would gladly take him on their team. But uh, focusing back on Kelvin Benjamin, uh, since then, Benjamin's stats have significantly gone down gradually year by year. He tore his ACL in 2015. That was supposed to be his second season. Uh, he uh, tore it in a joint practice with the Dolphins during training camp. And again, statistically, uh, his numbers have gone down. This year, in 10 starts and 12 games, 23 catches, 354 yards, and one touchdown. Now, this also has to do with the fact that Sammy Watkins re-injured his foot on, when was it? Thursday's practice. First injured it against the Browns in Week 9. Barely played against the Rams after or before the bye week. Then he had the bye week. And was limited in practice this week. And by the way, in the Rams game, he only played five snaps. Reports did come out that he could miss four to six weeks. Uh, and this was mentioned uh, this past week. However, Sam Mellinger of the Kansas City Star tweeted to clarify the four to six weeks that was reported includes the three weeks he's already missed. So he's got three more weeks left. Uh, Mellinger did finish in his tweet He's likely out Sunday, referring to the game we just had against the Ravens, and then he's week to week after that. Week to week, day to day, whatever the you want to call it at this point. Uh, so going back to Benjamin, will this work in Kansas City? 
I'm going to say the same thing about Kelvin Benjamin that I said about Sammy Watkins. Look, Sammy Watkins came to Kansas City to resurrect his career. And he knew that under Andy Reid, he'd be able to do that. Because Andy Reid always gets players to reach their potential and even go above and beyond that. You look at Alex Smith. Alex Smith had he had some fairly good seasons before coming to Kansas City. When he came to Kansas City and played under Andy Reid, he had single season highs in every category. Stats he's never had before until he was coached by Andy Reid. Jamal Charles, obviously one of the best running backs in the NFL, even before Andy Reid got to Kansas City. But when Andy Reid started coaching the Chiefs, we saw Jamal Charles just start going off and putting up even bigger numbers. Now, speaking of making people around you better, look at Patrick Mahomes. He's had guys like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey to work with. I mentioned earlier, those two guys are having statistically the best seasons they've ever had. And by the way, it is not easy for two guys on the same team to have 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns, double-digit touchdowns. The Chiefs are doing that in this offense. And that's also with an offense that had Kareem Hunt doing all sorts of things. And a team that is very active with their running backs. Even with their backups. In the case before, it was Spencer Ware and Damian Williams. Now Spencer Ware is the featured running back. But Damian Williams now seeing a lot more time for the Chiefs. So in this offense, I think Kelvin Benjamin rebounds. Why? You've got Andy Reid as your head coach. He'll always help you improve. You've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. He will help you improve. And and I know Sammy Watkins, statistically, not having an amazing season, but I think his absence has definitely taken a toll on the Chiefs' offense from the majority of the Rams' game. uh, Also, the uh, the Raiders' game, not too much. The Chiefs put up 40 still. And on top of that, uh, in this game, I think think this is the game that the Chiefs hurt the most and missed Sammy Watkins the most. Because he does open up the field for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill even more. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they help each other a lot. Adding Sammy Watkins to the mix, it's helped the offense just grow even more. A lot of more options, offense just expands, and, and defenses don't know what the hell to do. Defense, defensive coordinators can't even come up with a plan to stop this Chiefs offense. The Chiefs offense has yet to be really stopped by anybody. Again, a four-quarter uh, window, this is the worst the Chiefs have had, and they put up 24 points on the best defense in the NFL. Kelvin Benjamin, I think it works out for him. Andy Reid's your head coach. Mahomes is your quarterback. And those guys have made the running backs and the receivers have the best seasons of their careers, essentially. Now, I know Kareem Hunt, a very short career, obviously. This was his second season uh, until he got let go. Tyreek Hill, again, only been here just three years, but this is the best season he's ever had. Travis Kelsey, uh, he's been playing since 2014, was drafted in 2013, but missed the entire year due to uh, a knee injury. Uh, but this is the best season he's ever had. So this is what you're getting in Benjamin. Just another guy, another key option, and I think he will be a bigger threat because of who he has to work with. People are going to be closing in on Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Well, then Kelvin Benjamin is going to get wide open. And he'll make some plays for the Chiefs. We're seeing Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson get more and more involved lately for the Chiefs. And part of it could be due to the fact that Sammy Watkins is is absent right now. And, and I think losing Kareem Hunt could be part of that. But uh, they're still moving on with it. Life goes on without Kareem Hunt. It, it does. And you're seeing the Chiefs do all these things with uh, with guys like Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson. 
Eric Berry, by the way, did not play on Sunday against the Ravens. However, Adam Schefter reported that they are preparing for uh, for him to make his debut, uh, his season debut, this Thursday night against the Chargers. And I'll tell you what, I mentioned this before and I'll say it again. He needs, uh, he needs these three games. There are three games left in the NFL season for the Chiefs and Eric Berry needs to play in all of them. Let him get burned a couple of times. Let him kind of get used to things, get his feet wet again. When you've missed 29 games, you, you'll you'll lose a step or two. So let him come back. Let him just get used to things. And maybe he, he makes an impact right away. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, this is the uh, target date. Now, I have said many times, I'll believe it when I see it. And a lot of you guys have said that as well. Well, the reason that I'm more optimistic in this, we've never been given a target date. As to when Eric Berry could play. We got that this week. Or on Sunday morning. Or uh, Saturday night rather. When Schefter tweeted that out. So the fact that we are getting a target date. As to when Eric Berry is expected to play. Gives me a lot of hope that he can uh, play on Thursday. I did say uh, before when he was set to return to practice. uh, When he was limited. I was not expecting him to play against the Raiders. I did Predict that he would play against the Ravens. He was questionable, but it did come out Saturday night that he would be a no-go for the game. But with uh, this short week, it is expected that he is going to play. And maybe the Chiefs wanted to go this route, and this is speculation on my end. Maybe they wanted to go the route, and they looked at the five-day schedule and said, Look, we're playing on Sunday, and then we play five days later. Let's not make Eric Berry play two games in five days. And I think the logic in that, sure, makes sense. Ideally, I would have liked to see Eric Berry play a few snaps, but I think uh, given how close this game was, it would have been best to keep him out, and and that's what they did in this football game. I know a lot of people would say opposite, that having him would have maybe made a difference in the scoreboard and maybe prevent overtime. I don't know. I, I don't know how big of a difference one player will make, as great as Eric Berry is. We will see, because he is expected to return soon. So we will see about that uh, starting this Thursday. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Charkandrick West, and Eric Berry, those are guys who are expected to play, all of them inactive for the Chiefs, as well as Sammy Watkins. They're expected to play this Thursday night for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see. Now, uh, final thing I do want to discuss, what happens in Week 15? I'll bring this up again on the next episode, but I'll say this right now because it is a short week. By beating the Chargers on Thursday night, the Chiefs will not only win the AFC West for a third straight year, they will get a first-round bye in the AFC for the playoffs. And it'll be the second time in three years the Chiefs will have a first-round bye. They had it in 2016, of course, with their 12-4 and record. Now, that's not all. The Chiefs can clinch home field advantage in Week 15. You might be asking how. Obviously, they've got to beat the Chargers. They need two more things to happen. They need the Jets to beat the Texans Saturday afternoon. There are two Saturday afternoon games, by the way. The Jets and Texans, they play at 3.30 Central Standard Time. And the Steelers need to beat the Patriots on Sunday. Now, the good news is, even though the Steelers, they've been losing uh, lately quite a lot. They're on a three-game losing streak. And the Jets, well, they're the Jets. And they're playing uh, the Texans and the Patriots, who for the past couple of weeks have been one game behind the Chiefs in the conference. Well, if you want any optimism as to how the Chiefs could clinch home field advantage, the Jets and the Steelers are playing at home. Kansas City can get home field advantage 
if the Jets and Steelers win, as well as the Chiefs winning uh, in week uh, 15. They can have it wrapped up before week 16. Uh, I don't think it happens. At some point, the Steelers have to snap that losing streak, and I think that that I think the Steelers do beat the Patriots at home. Uh, but I don't see the Jets taking care of the Texans. Then again, Sunday was an insane day, and everything uh, happened. I mentioned the three worst teams in the NFL won, and four of the top six playoff teams in the AFC lost. So if you told me that was going to happen, I, I would not have believed you. By the way, here's another reason to believe why the Steelers will beat the Patriots. The Patriots are nine and four. That's their record right now. Those four losses. All of them are on the road. The Patriots are 3-4 and four on the road this year. So if you want any optimism as to why you should believe the Steelers will win, I think that's the biggest reason right there. Plus, the Steelers have got to snap that losing streak soon. Otherwise, the Ravens will take over in the AFC North. So a lot on the line in that game for both the Steelers and the Patriots. What a Sunday! December the 9th, 2018. It, I mean, one hell of a day for the Chiefs. The, like I mentioned, three worst teams in the NFL won. Four of the six playoff teams in the AFC lost. Chiefs versus Chargers, the two best teams in the AFC. We will preview that game on tomorrow's episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Plus, former Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith uh, dealing with uh, uh, so, so, some, some bad news, an infection in his leg. We will talk about that. The Chicago Bears, apparently they don't know about some of the more obvious rules that teams should absolutely know about. I'll talk about that. Plus, I'm sure you guys have all heard the news about Kevin Hart withdrawing from hosting the Oscars due to homophobic jokes he made on Twitter years ago. People's past on social media continues to hurt them today. We've seen that in sports quite a lot. Is that fair to people? We'll discuss that and a lot more on tomorrow's episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vasugin. That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We will do a Facebook Live at halftime and after the game Thursday night against the Chargers. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. That's my Twitter account. Follow me on there. And my email is Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Share the podcast as well with your friends on social media. My name is Farzine Vasugin. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Very short week. We'll be back tomorrow to preview Thursday Night Football, Chiefs Chargers. Talk to you then.